Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. And I'm Chris Marone. And I am calling you from the Caribbean Sea. I'm out here in the middle of the sea, the ocean, at a private island. Chris, I got to tell you, doing the comedic law route slash podcasting route, it's a great gig. If I had known this was available in law school, I would have done this right out of the shoot. But I tell you, I am living the high life. How are things going for you? Oh, man, CLE must be paying well for you to have your own private island, Joel. I'm super jealous. <laughs> I get on the royalties to this podcast, I'm telling you. I'm telling you what, Chris, this is the life. Now, I know that COVID is out there and it's real, but yep. that being said, one of the problems with COVID is the cruising industry. But here's the rea- here are the numbers. Right. Let me just tell you the numbers with this cruise. I-, I love talking about travel stories because everyone loves to travel. <laughs> I'm on this MSC cruise ship. It has a 6,500 capacity. There are 1,200 employees on board, only 600 passengers. Do the math, Chris. That means a lot of open seats. Oh, and a lot of personal attention from the staff, right? You get what you got two employees for every one person on board. It's got to be super fun getting waiting on hand and foot. How are you going to come back amongst us peasants once you're done (laughs) with your, your fiefdom? I love it, man. So the guy, obviously the, the people know you. They're good on these cruises. You go up to the same station to get your coffee. The guy knows you. He knows exactly how you like your coffee. Once he right. sees me, and by the way, my son as well. He's also got on first name basis with my youngest son. He immediately <laughs> goes into his drawer, gets the biggest mug he has because he knows I like a lot of coffee. He fills it up just the way I like it. That guy knows how to earn a tip. So, yeah, we're having a lot of fun. But Chris, uh, do you do you do a lot of cruising? You know, my wife and I, pre-pandemic, like right before November of nineteen, went on our first cruise together to the Bahamas, and it was okay. A mind-blowing, wonderful experience. I absolutely loved every... It's like everything I loved. It was all my friends on a boat, and we got to go to cool shows, and we got to eat good food, and everybody was on their own schedule, but we all met up at the same time, and it was like all of the fun of being back in undergrad and none of the studying in the books. It was just all the partying and all the eating and all the fun. It is a blast. Well, I am on an MSC cruise. It is owned by a Swiss-Italian company. And so when I heard that, I'm thinking, oh, this is a winner. Swiss? Swiss chocolate? Italian? I love Italian food. This is going to be the most amazing food ever. No, I am sorry. That is a, that is a huge <laughs> letdown. Uh, I have um, oh. apparently they had not heard of seasoning over there in Europe. I don't know. Uh, I, I think European oh food means no seasoning and no sugar. I, I think in America we definitely know how to sugar up all the food that we eat. We had our first dessert here, and both my wife and I looked at each other and said, uh, "Didn't you? Did you forget an ingredient? It's called sugar." But hey, maybe we Ooh. should follow the Europeans. I don't know. Next time, I am definitely going to smuggle on board some Reese's peanut butter cups and my slap your mama cajun seasoning hey a must maybe we should do a shout out to slap your mama cajun seasoning get them to be a sponsor of the podcast it is the best seasoning out there next time i'm going to bring some bring some on but no it is a it is a great great cruise i highly recommend going cruising now because if your biggest fear of cruising were the crowds let me tell you chris there are no crowds non-existent It is amazing. Yeah. Um, To give you some numbers here, 
Uh, again, we're at a 10% uh, occupancy on this cruise. 100% of the people on this cruise, 100%, tested 100%. negative for COVID 48 hours before the cruise and immediately upon boarding the cruise. We had two different uh, tests that had to come back negative, And then 100% of the people on this cruise are fully vaccinated. Chris, this is the safest place in, on the entire planet from COVID outside of maybe your own personal closet. This is an extremely safe place. <laughs> and so we're having a, a lot of fun. I highly recommend we're going to do a podcast out here. But one of the oh, interesting one of the interesting things about this particular cruise, it's it's an, a, a European cruise. It's run by a European right. company. It was hilarious because the other night they had a a tribute to America. It was one of their big you know shows that they put on in the main theater. So it was a tribute to America written by and produced by Europeans. And Chris, it was hilarious. Let me give you an example of some of the things that they did. They sang about Hotel California. Are you familiar with that song? Man, that's a classic Eagles hit, man. We all love Hotel California. Yeah, welcome to the Hotel California. Now, when you hear that song, what images come to your mind? Like the coast of California, like... Board shorts, Hawaiian shirts, flip-flops, the yeah. old-school, like, plaster cast building white with the courtyards, like, acoustic guitars at the beach at night with right, the waves, exactly. the whole nine yeah. yards. No, no. They were wearing cowboy hats, boots, and spurs <laughs> and doing – it's like, come on. No, that's not yes. Hotel California. <laughs> California Cowboys, the Vaqueros. Right, right. Yes. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure the Eagles were doing country music. And then they say Country Rose. Oh. Are you familiar with that classic John Denver song? Oh, my song? gosh. Country Rose, yes. Take Me Home. West Virginia, Monty Mamas. Yeah, exactly. Country Rose. Yeah, yeah. West Virginia, right? So as yes. the backdrop to this song, they had a bunch of cactuses. Have you been to West Virginia? Have you heard the song? That's not I've Country Rose. to the Appalachia Mountains. The Appalachia Mountains are not a cactus place. No, no, no. They, they kind of, uh, that's strike two. Strike three yeah. would be they did a Blues Brothers tribute. Again, the people, after a costume okay. change, so it wasn't like this was the very next song. They already did a costume change. They were back in their cowboy gear uh, doing the two-step, singing the uh, Blues Brothers tribute. You know, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, things like that. Yeah, they were doing a Blues Brothers tribute wearing Blast cowboy me. gear. It is. Absolutely it is. blasphemy. Blasphemy, yeah. I tell you. <laughs> I Jake and Elwood Blue deserve better. So in the backdrop, they had both of those, Dan Aykroyd and, and John, or is it John or Jim Belushi, <laughs> one of the Belushi brothers, in their, their sunglasses, but then all the dancers uh, on stage are wearing cowboy hats and booze and spurs and doing the two-step, whatever. It was hilarious to see. I will point out, one of the reasons why I like cruising is you get to see different parts of the world. We went to the Dominican Republic. Right. And Chris, I'm telling you, the poverty there is eye-opening. The uh, we took a taxi ride out to the beach where we were going to spend the day, and on the way back, the taxi driver gave us a detour through the spot where he said these are this is where the Haitians live. And so when you had this the hurricane a couple of years ago, you remember the people in Haiti were right. displaced. They came over to the Dominican Republic. 
I had never seen poverty like that, and so it was definitely an eye-opening experience. Uh, but I, again, I highly recommend it cruising. Well, hey, Chris, I've talked long enough about my traveling experience, and I want to get back out there on the <laughs> beach today. This is my last day. We got to talk hell, yeah. some law. And so let's, let me just now. This is not going to be a long podcast because nope. I, I am on the high seas, and I want to get out there and enjoy the the weather. And we also need to download this. I'm also afraid the audio is not quite up to our standards. And so we're going to keep this short. Sarah Palin is in the news. Sarah Palin sued the New York Times for defamation. It was based upon a 2017 editorial in which a writer linked Sarah Palin, uh, her, her political action committee, uh, to right. um, to the the, uh, the 2011 shooting of then U.S. Representative Gabby Giffords. And so she Arizona's sued. Arizona's own. Right. She sued them, saying this is defamation. There was no connection. Indeed, there was no connection, and they ran a retraction. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. she then sued the New York Times for running this article in the first place. And, Chris, I got to tell you, right. it's about time that the media is held responsible for their irresponsible reporting. This is not the first time. Let's go back to Nick Sandman. Uh, you know, he, with the, the mainstream media portrayed him as being some— Teenage punk disrespecting the Native Americans. Turns out that wasn't it at all. Kyle Rittenhouse, without any proof, they said he was a white supremacist. A horrible allegation to put on someone, especially a non-public figure who can't defend himself. Why can't you just call someone a white supremacist? Joe Biden. Right. We're looking at you here for that one. That's kind of irresponsible to do that. Hey, go back to 1996, the Richard Jewell case, where he was a hero trying to protect people from the bombing there at the Olympic Games in Atlanta. And yet the the, the local news there at CNN ran stories saying he was responsible for the bombing. Chris, what are your thoughts right. about this lawsuit? And by the way, this is not just a lawsuit that was filed. Right. This is going to trial. Yeah. So, well, for... Our listeners, they love the fact that both of us are lawyers to the inside baseball. The fact that it's going to trial is kind of amazing in itself because for a public figure to be able to move forward on a defamation trial like this, there has to be actual malice. Now, right. malice is knowledge that what you're putting out there is fake. So when when Palin brought this case the first time, the judge threw it out and said, look, this is negligence, but it's not actual malice. Palin appealed to a three-judge panel, and the panel's like, no, this is kind of malice. Like, the New York Times knew what they were doing. They knew, at least this editorial board person knew what they were doing. So we think there's enough evidence to move forward. And that's a big deal, because the First Amendment, as as is so important to our society to have the rights of a free press that you can't go around and just sue reporters because you don't like what they said about you. They actually have to be fully engaged in trying to lie, defame, defraud people about your intentions as a public officer. And that's what makes it huge here because um, the, the map that was leaked was a bunch of bullseyes over congressional districts that were weak during the election season. And one of the bullseyes is over Arizona, which yes, of course, Arizona is a battleground state, but it wasn't over Gabby Giffords. It wasn't over specifically her district, which is Southern Arizona in Tucson, but rather it was just a bullseye over the state of Arizona. The New York times goes, look, Sarah Palin wants to shoot Gabby Giffords again. And that's not what it was. 
It was a map of seats that were vulnerable for a congressional election. And it's Sarah Palin. We all know that she loves guns. So, of course, everything's going to be a bullseye because that's what she's targeting to turn into a red state or to keep a red state. So the average everyday person that's not a political junkie like myself or a lawyer like the both of us would look at that map and go, that's where Sarah Palin's group is targeting. It has nothing to do with they're trying to kill people, but more where they're sending their focus. And that's what the judges turned on. There's malice there connecting a crosshairs bullseye over the state of Arizona to say Sarah Palin endorses the shooting of Gabby Giffords and the 11 people that died that day. Right. Totally irresponsible. As you said in the first podcast, and by the way, listeners, this is our second go around here. We actually recorded right. this podcast yesterday, but apparently my recording did not work. I got sound waves, no actual sound. So we are redoing it today. But you said yesterday in the first go around that it used to be a rush. There was a rush to be right. And now there is a rush right. to be first. And that is a huge a problem in the media. They get it wrong. But in their just their desire to get things out there the first time. And I, I love the First Amendment, so I don't want to just say, hey, you're liable if, if you say something and you right. and you mess up and you're slightly wrong. We all make mistakes. We want a robust First Amendment, but hey, there's a time you got to draw the line in the sand. It has gotten crazy here with right. all these recent cases. Right. Well, and I, and I also think I look back to the Tucker Carlson case, right, where he was sued for defamation and Fox News went the route of saying nobody could believe this to be true. So therefore, it's not defamation. <laughs> and they and they won on those facts. So I think big media is seeing on both sides of the aisle, not just not just liberal, not just conservative. They're seeing on both sides of the aisle that they need to be a little more cautious about what they're putting out there, rather first to be first, but rather putting out the correct information because courts are starting to get hip to this idea that the First Amendment has limits. And as we watched Facebook and Twitter and social media have dramatic impacts over the election cycles the past couple of years and how information is disseminated and misinformation gets out there, I think courts in the future are going to start cracking down more and more on this idea of first to be first versus first to be right. All right. Well, also in the legal news, Kim Kardashian, I know one of your favorite uh, um, Internet influencers, social media influencers, and <laughs> Floyd Mayweather were sued for their statements supporting crypto tokens. They are apparently they're, they're part of this. They oh. own some crypto tokens. And so they're doing some uh, making some public statements out there to get people to invest <laughs> in their product. And so the point right. here is that. I find this case interesting. This comes on the heels of the Elizabeth Holmes trial involving Tyrannos. And you have to be careful. There is a difference between puffery, which is when you make an ad, trying to get people to buy your product. There is a different standard for that, which we all know involves a lot of lying and deception, but they get away with it because they call it puffery. There's a difference between that and getting someone to invest in your business. And when you mislead people there... I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to be found liable for Buco Bucks. Uh, any thoughts on the Kim right. Kardashian, Floyd, and Mayweather lawsuit? Man, there's there's a couple things right off the bat. One, if you're taking financial advice from Floyd May- Mayweather, <laughs> just stop. Absolutely. You, 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 
You make my head hurt. You make my head ache. Part of Floyd Mayweather's persona, part of what makes him Floyd Money Mayweather is that he's illiterate. He goes around touting the fact that he makes millions of dollars and he never learned to read. Never learned to read, people. Do not take financial advice that cannot read a Dr. (laughs) Seuss book. That, That is the first, like, yes, he's made a lot of money. Yes, he's very popular. Yes, he's a social media entity. Yes, he runs his mouth and he can back it up in the ring. All things. He is not a financial plan. I get better financial advice from my dog than I would from <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. And yeah, all she like wants to dog. do is cuddle. She is the best. The second thing that I think is huge here is that, yes, Kim Kardashian is a social media influencer. Yes, she has brain cells. Yes, she can read and all that stuff. Is that Kim's going through law school or an attempt okay. to become a lawyer. She's right. doing the um, apprentice program through California, which is a very niche way of becoming a lawyer. But every lawyer has to go through character and fitness examinations to be able to practice law in their jurisdiction. Now, the character and fitness focuses mainly on whether or not you have the moral character, meaning you're not defrauding people to practice law because the number one reason people get debarred in this world is because they don't know how to deal with money, either client trust account issues, billing issues, collection of money issues, wrong plate, the whole nine yards. So if Kim is sued for fraud for this NFT, then that's going to show up on our moral character, which is going to inhibit her ability to practice law in the state of California or any federal jurisdiction. So I think not so much the fact that she's a social media star that can jog on to Dixie in her 20 seasons of, of keeping up with the Kardashians. The fact is that she's now trying to enter into our world and we have to be very strict and ethical about money specifically. Interesting. And, All right. And this could really screw her because one, cryptocurrencies isn't popular right now and state bars all over this land are struggling on how to deal with the exchange of cryptocurrencies for fees for services and all that jazz and two it's a fraud case that disqualifies you from moral character on the bar so she needs to be careful in what she's doing but it's kim kardashian she's not going to be careful because she's a kardashian and she makes her money from being an influencer and so hey first to be first you don't need to be right you just need to say something first and people hey maybe we should come up with something outrageous statement put it in a tweet and let people follow us it doesn't have to actually be right of course i'm just kidding well let's now (laughs) move over to the other end of the legal world we were just talking about kim kardashian uh, and floyd mayweather and hopefully on the other end of the legal spectrum you have the united states supreme court Maybe not. Maybe they are on the same side. I don't know. But since we recorded our first podcast, there was a big development at the Supreme Court last year or yesterday. The Supreme Court issued an opinion in the vaccination cases. As we talked on our podcast a few weeks ago, there are two different cases before the Supreme Court, one involving OSHA's requirement that all employers over 100 employees had to either have all their employees be vaccinated or tested on a weekly basis. Also, there's another one that all employees of a medical facility that received federal funding, i.e. Medicare or Medicaid, had to have their frontline workers vaccinated. And so these were challenged in court. The court gave a split decision on it. Regarding OSHA, the court said, 
No, uh, you know, the OSHA does not have this power. This is a general uh, health matter, not a workplace matter. It's not unique to the workplace in any way. And so in a 6-3 vote, the court held that, that OSHA overstepped its bounds and invalidated right. that requirement. Uh, and then in the, uh, the second case involving the uh, medical facilities, in a 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court said, yeah, okay, that actually is reasonable because they're, they're funding, they're giving federal funds, and it's reasonable to then put that stipulation that people who give medical treatment also themselves are vaccinated or tested on a weekly basis. And so right. uh, that, that was the split decision. Any thoughts on those two cases? Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised this season, especially talking with you, the level headedness of the Supreme Court that's come out. Now, I'm sure in June I'm going to have a very different tune as as the <laughs> opinions wait, huh? really come out. Yeah, just just waiting for June. But, you know, I think that's the way to go. Private employers in America and I know America is different than everywhere else that they have the right to do what they want as a private employer, as the same way I have a right to go take my money somewhere else, or I have the right to go work for somewhere else. So I think it was government overreach to say, if you have more than a hundred employees, you have to follow these rules because as we're seeing the, the changing nature of COVID and things to that effect. It's not something set in stone. It's not like saying you have to insulate against fires or you have to build structurally sound buildings so they don't collapse. There's a very difference there for private employers to have to have building standards or safety standards versus COVID standards. Right. But I also think the federal government has the right to direct to, to put strings on monies that it gives. If I'm going to give you money, if I'm going to fund your organization for you to take that funding, you have to do certain things. So it makes sense. And it also makes sense with healthcare workers, right? If we're going to put them on the front lines with people with COVID, we need to make sure they're protected from COVID. And so I, 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 I appreciate the level headedness of the decisions because it says private employers, you do you and the market and the people will decide whether or not they want to support you or not. Public health care workers that are dealing with the pandemic, we need to make sure that you're the safest possible and that the people that you're interacting with don't spread or do anything with the virus. So I think it was a pretty, pretty even keeled decision coming out the gate. I'm surprised it was split the way it was with the 5-4 and the 6-3, but um, it, it all seems to work out to where this is kind of the best result. And it's a victory for everybody, right? Private industry gets to tout that they beat Biden. Biden gets to say, look, we still got this approved. And again, we are forcing the Supreme Court to be the arbiter when we should just be compromising on our own. Okay, Chris, I am making note in this podcast all those statements you just made about you the should. Supreme Court being level-headed and reasonable. I might play those back in right a future now. podcast. Just saying you should have thought right. more clearly before you made those concessions. <laughs> that will come back to be played in a future in, podcast. In this specific case, this case only, <laughs> only this case. Dude, I can take things out of context. You know you know that. I, I'm a lawyer oh, and yeah, a pastor, sure. so I have the ability. That's right. Okay, so one other Supreme Court matter. Uh, again, this this was argued last week, or this week at the Supreme Court, not decided. Right. The Supreme Court took up uh, two issues involving whether or not immigrants who are detained waiting a withholding of removal. So here's what happens. Let's say an immigrant is facing a deportation order. Uh, they can file a, a, uh, a motion, a uh, a legal matter saying, look, we want to have a withholding of removal because of humanitarian reasons, like whatever place you're going to send me to. It, I'm going to receive horrible humanitarian treatment there based upon religion or some other reason. 
And so you can file, you can seek a, a withholder of removal. The problem is that hearing, right. it takes a while to happen. It, it can take over six months, even Forever. a couple of years. Immigration matters are not quick in the slightest. I don't practice nope. regularly in immigration law. I've had a couple of cases, so I know firsthand how long an immigration case can take. The issue is, okay, while you're waiting this, you're in prison, and so uh, right. should you not be allowed to be to go about your your your, your life while you're waiting a hearing from the court? And right. are you allowed to a bond hearing on that matter? That's the issue before the court. And the six month came up as a kind of a pivotal period. Like, look, if we can't have a hearing within six months, then you need to provide this immigrant with a bond hearing where they analyze. Right. Are you a flight risk or not? If you're not a flight risk, maybe we, we should just let you go about doing your business here in America while you await this hearing. Any thoughts on this case? Yeah, like the Constitution is not just applied to Americans. And I think a lot of people get lost in this idea that only American citizens have constitutional rights. That's not true whatsoever. If you are in America, you have certain rights, whether you're a citizen or not. And and some of those rights are restricted, right? Right to bear arms isn't a right that's extended to non-citizens, even though they could if they jump through the right holes. But like freedom of speech or freedom when you get a, the the freedoms that are allowed to you when you're arrested right quick and speedy trial trial of your peers um, no unharsh no undue punishment or excessive bail things to that effect those all apply to whether being citizens or not and i don't understand this horrible idea that you need to sit in jail the entire time jails are understaffed underfunded they they have been shown study after study that when you go into jail for minor crimes, you get hooked up with inmates that are in there for harsher crimes and you have a proclivity to create more crime out in the world. So if you are a non-violent, non-flight risk, you should be allowed bail. Now, we should have a whole other podcast on why the bail system is ridiculous because we shouldn't be punishing people for being poor. Right. And making them buy their way out of jail. But that's a whole different discussion. The fact of the matter is, Citizen or not citizen, you are subject to the laws of the United States when you are within its borders. And one of those is being able to have a bond hearing. If a court decides that you are not a flight risk, send them home. Send them to wherever home is or wherever their domicile is in the United States. If that's with their family, put them on uh, ankle monitor. Do a thousand other things. You don't need to sit them in a jail cell for six to ten months to figure out whether or not this person is there. I believe that these rights that we talk about as, as they're in our Bill of Rights and our Constitution, we right. I believe those rights are God-given. Now, I believe that for several right. different reasons. One of the reasons why is it's in our founding documents. Go look at the Declaration of Independence. It says we have these rights that are inalienable and that we are endowed uh, by our Creator with these rights. And so I believe that you know God just didn't give Americans these rights. Pretty much everyone who is a breathing, a human being, is entitled to these rights. And so, yeah, if, if an American is is if we have this right as an American not to be put up in jail forever, we have a right to a speedy trial. That's a concept. You can't throw someone in jail and just wait for a hearing, which might not ever come. Now, you can't rot your life away in a jail cell awaiting a hearing. Well, that right also should extend to immigrants. And, and so if they're here and they're waiting a hearing and they're not a flight risk, why not let them go? And heck, why, just give them the bond hearing where you can make that determination. 
All right, Chris. Yeah. It is time for courtroom quarterback. This is one of my favorite times of the year. We are talking about the NFL playoffs. Maybe we should have some NFL playoff music there as well. This is a great time to be a sports fan, and we know the end is in sight. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. We're going to have to go through our desert land where there's going to be no football to watch. But during this time, we have the NFL playoffs. And, Chris, there are a lot of great games this upcoming weekend. So why don't we do this? Why don't we talk about the playoffs in the context of our picks? And so I'll start with you. Go ahead and give me some of your picks for this upcoming weekend. Right off the bat, 49er faithful coming through. Gold-blooded, everybody. Gold-blooded here. We are going to go ahead and walk right into Arlington, and we're going to look those Cowboys dead in the eye like Terrell Owens did back in 2000, and we're going to outscore the Cowboys for our playoff victory to secure our next-round playoff victory. Garoppolo, substandard quarterback. He's going to perform. Cowboys are going to not perform. They're going to fold like origami. Niners are going to cover the three-point favor that the Cowboys are in Arlington, and I look forward to Jimmy Garoppolo's dance on the Dallas Star midfield when they're done. (laughs) Now that we're out of... Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Cowboys are going to win, but I'm still betting on the Niners. (laughs) Are you betting with your heart, or are you betting with your mind? Heart. Heart and soul, baby. Heart and all right, soul. Because right. I am going to have to go the <laughs> other way and take the Cowboys. You got I think it. Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he has playoff experience, I saw him perform against the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple years ago where your coach was so fearful of Garoppolo, wouldn't let him throw the ball. And then when he decided to let him throw the ball, that's when the Chiefs came back and won that game. And so I think the Cowboys... They're going to win this game. They're going to be one and done, but I think they will win this game. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus the three over the 49ers. All right. Since you went That's the first pick, I'll go, I'll go the second pick. I am going to take the Rams over the Cardinals. The Rams are a four-point favorite. I know Matthew right. Stafford does not have a lot of playoff experience because he spent all his days in Siberia, he- playoff Siberia there in Detroit. I think we talked about they have not been in the playoffs since Abraham Lincoln's administration. But nonetheless, they're playing the Cardinals. (laughs) I don't think Jeff Kingsbury has any idea what he's doing uh, coaching at the end of the year. I mean, he has not shown the ability to coach late in the season yet. I don't, and, and the quarterback is uh, Kyler Murray has not shown the ability to play great football late in the season. I don't see why they're going to all of a sudden learn now how to do that. I'm going to take the Rams minus the four. It's hard. It's hard for me on this one because here in Arizona, I've enjoyed watching the Cardinals meteoric rise and somewhat stuttering. Um, but if we go back to the original podcast, I picked the Rams to, to be Super Bowl contenders. So I got to go with the Rams on this one. And, you know, we don't talk enough about Cup in the podcast. You know, he had an absolutely stellar year. He triple crowned it. He was number one for receiving yards, number one for TD, number one for pat, er, rushing yards. Like he killed it for the Rams this year. He is an amazing, amazing player. So I think he's really going to step up. And I think that the Rams, even though um, Safford has 0.00 percentage uh, wins in the playoffs, we can also say that he's undefeated in the playoffs. And okay. so I'm going to go That's with true. the glasses half full on this one and say that the the Rams are going to go all the way through, even though we have an inexperienced quarterback. But well, Rams are definitely Ram- going to take out the, the Cardinals. 
The Rams were your Super Bowl pick at the beginning of the year. No need to jump ship just yet. That makes total sense to me. My next pick is going to be the Bills-Patriots game. I know the Patriots are coached by the naked cheater. I get that. But they have a rookie quarterback. Traditionally, rookie quarterbacks do not fare well in the playoffs, and so I'm going to take the Bills. The Bills and their quarterback uh, did uh, I, I did great last year against the Kansas City Chiefs playing in the AFC Championship game. We beat yep. them, but nonetheless, they are going to be hungry this year, and so I, I like the Bills minus the four. And plus, I just heard it's going to be probably near zero degrees in Buffalo for Ooh. this game, and Ooh. so another reason why I'm going to take the Bills minus the four. Oh, definitely the Bills on this one. And and mainly, this is another one with my heart. Like, I really appreciated watching the Patriots coalesce around their new quarterback. I mean, we hate Belichick. That's a given. But Bills Mafia deserves this win. The Bills oh, Mafia yes. is absolutely one of the best fan bases in the game. And though I know they're going to lose to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship again, I get it. Um The Bills Mafia raises money for kids with leukemia. They raise money for charities for the other teams. They they go and they they go and they do practices and they really bring a a sense of community. The Arizona chapter of the Bills Mafia is some of the best people in Arizona. So I'm rooting just for the Bills Mafia so they can get some more airtime, right? Because because airtime equals dollars equals change. And so as long as the Bills are in the playoffs. They'll get the fans will get the the service they need. The Bills Mafia is all that is right with the sports. This is a fan base out of Buffalo, uh, is in in favor of Buffalo, and they will raise money to support the charities of the opposing team. That is just an amazing concept. There, it's, it's so hard to root against the Bills, but when they play my Chiefs, you better believe I will. All right, I'll let you take the next pick. All right, so I'm gonna go with Bengals. Um, and the Raiders. Now the Raider, the Bengals are favored by 5.5. Okay. Okay. I'm choosing the, I'm choosing the Bengals. Joe Burrow. Right. He's, he's doing it. He's going to do hard. And I did make a flub on our last podcast. So I'm glad that, uh, we get to re-record because Joe Burrows and his receiver were quite the parrot LSU. And I had totally forgotten that. And Joel <laughs> had invoked the Holy Montana rice resurrection between Joe and his receiver. So that may be a thing, but I just want the Raiders to lose. I just want them to lose. <laughs> I just now, that's where I'm on. at right now. The Raiders are a feel-good story. They lost their coach through some shady ways in the middle of the season. They've rebounded. I think their interim they coach did. is now it has to be their permanent head coach. I mean, he led the team to the playoffs. That has to right. count for something. The trivia question I gave you in our last podcast that we have lost now is I said, hey, the last time Joe Burrows and Chase played this big of a game, what was the result? And now they've had time to think about it. What what they was won. the result the last time that um, Joe Burrows and Chase teamed together in a huge, huge game? LSU National Champions. Right? Just two years ago, those two were playing yep. together. And so they did rise to the occasion. That being said, their coach is a rookie to the playoffs. And the NFL playoffs right. are a different breed altogether, a different speed. I think eventually they will be a Joe Montana, Jerry Rice combination. Just not right. this year. I'm going to take the Raiders right. plus the five and a half points. All right, Chris, my next pick. For sure. 
is going to be my Go. double special. This is the one I feel extremely, extremely confident. I'm at, this is going to be worth a two for me. If we, I win this, I get double the points. If I lose it, I lose double double the points. I, that's how strongly right, I down. feel about this pick. The Bucks minus eight and a half <laughs> over the Eagles. Let me tell you that Tom Brady's feathers have been ruffled because of this whole oh, uh, sure. Antonio Brown situation. Now Antonio Brown is, is throwing some shade at Tom Brady and what Tom Brady did. It's like, dude, Tom Brady just reached out to you to help you along the way. Why are you dissing right. on Tom Brady? I can't stay in Tom Brady, but he sure was a good teammate and a good friend in the situation. Nonetheless, the last time I remember that Tom Brady was disliked this was halftime during the Indianapolis Colts New England Patriots AFC Championship. Championship game in 2014. If you don't remember what I'm right. talking about, I'm talking about Deflate Gate. And so. Yeah, exactly. If we had that music and the sound effect there, that would have been great. At halftime of a closely contested game between the Colts and the Patriots, the Colts accused Brady of cheating by using underinflated footballs. He responded by annihilating them in the second half. It's like when you rattle the cage of the tiger, you better be careful. And I think right now Real. his cage has been rattled. He's going to take it out on the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles are a playoff team right now. They might be in the future. They're not there yet. I'm going to take the Bucks minus the eight and a half over the Eagles. And that's a solid. I mean, I'm taking the Bucks too. That's that's a serious no brainer. Tom Brady came to play, and Tom Brady is a playoff quarterback. You, there is nobody on the field. You could actually take the combined experience of all the teams in the playoffs right now of all the players, and they probably still don't have the same amount of playoff right. experience as just Tom Brady. Oh, so he knows what the pressure's like. He knows what to do. He knows how to hit slants. He knows how to do everything. He is a wartime quarterback. And look, I read something the other day, and it made me laugh super hard. My grandfather had Terry Bradshaw. My father had Joe Montana. I had Tom Brady. My children have Tom Brady. <laughs> like that. That is the level of experience that this man has as a generational quarterback. And look, I don't like the guy. I don't, I don't, I don't root for Tom Brady. I'm not, I, I never have. You're not going to find me going yay for new England or yay for Tampa Bay. Um, but the fact of the matter is you cannot, you can't underestimate Tom Brady and he is going to go out there and he's going to show people why he could take a nothing franchise and turn it into a super bowl champion two times in a row. Oh, I sure hope not. Now, don't get me wrong. I want right. the Bucks to lose. I During the right. game, I'll be rooting as hard as I can for the Eagles because I want him to lose. I fear him in the playoffs or in the, at the Super Bowl if right. the Chiefs make it that far. Which, by the way, brings us to the last pick of this week, the Steelers versus the Chiefs. And I got to tell you. I am very nervous about this game because it's my Chiefs <laughs> and it's the playoffs. I have seen all kinds of memes going around this week where basically the Chiefs are inviting people to Ben Roethlisberger's retirement party hosted at Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium. I am nervous that about this kind of level. confidence. Right. Well, it, it doesn't help that Big Ben's out there doing press conferences about how, you know, they're going to lose to the Chiefs. Like, Dude, this is your last playoff game. We already know you're retiring. You're going to put it all out on the field, and you're going to be like, ha, 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 we're going to lose. And in the back of his head is like lulling people into a false sense of security. I wonder if that's what he's doing. I am scared about this game. It is a 12-and-a-half point spread. Chris, I'm taking 
a pass on this one. I cannot I cannot decide this one rationally because it's my Chiefs. And you got to understand oh. the history of the Chiefs and the Steelers. We can't beat them late. We, we can't beat them in the playoffs. They, Roethlisberger has our number. Now, to be fair, those are when he also had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown on his team. Now, he does not have either right. one of those. It's a, and it's a much older Roethlisberger. I'm still so scared, I can't think about this game rashly. So I'm going to <laughs> pass on this game and let you make the pick. Oh, I'm doing my double down. This is my double down, everybody. Okay. My two-point conversion on the Chiefs taking taking the Steelers out. Everything you just named. No Bell, no Brown, old Roethlisberger, Big Ben's knees are going to hell. Now, Big Ben is a, an excellent quarterback, and he's been a Steeler faithful his entire career. And Good on him. Good career for you, sir. You know, I hope that you enjoy your retirement and whatever you end up doing. Please don't be a broadcaster. But... The Chiefs are going to go in there, man. They they started out the season not hungry. They weren't doing great. People were starting to falter on whether or not, you know, they weren't showing up in power rankings. They weren't doing anything. But now the Chiefs have come to play, and I think Patrick is going to stuff it down Big Ben's throat. Big Ben wants a retirement party. We're going to send him out in true fashion. Kansas City is going to plug him hard, and that's my double down for the week as Kansas City. Now, all right. my one piece of trivia for all the kids at home <laughs> If you look at all the teams in the playoffs this year, they all have one thing in common. Antonio Brown played for all of them. And he's not in the playoffs this season. Anyways, that's wow. Antonio Brown for you. Interesting little bit of trivia there. So, all right, you know, I'm going to let you have the last word. And I'm going to say this in regards to this pick, I sure hope you are right. Uh, it is now yep. time for me to go out there on this private island we just docked at. And so I am going to say Sayonara. I'm <laughs> signing off here. I have no idea if that's the language of the local people here. But nonetheless, we're on a private <laughs> island. We're going to head on out. Have a great time. And, Chris, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. See you, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. <laughs>